Brought to you by Being Well Collective. Comprehensive wellness and engagement solutions for real estate development and senior living. Hello and welcome to the Glowing Older Podcast, where we interview experts on innovation in senior living and the business of aging well. I'm your host, Nancy Griffin, and I'm pleased to have back on the show Andrew Carl, adjunct faculty at Georgetown University's Master's in Aging and Health and president of Carl Consulting. Welcome back to the program, Andy. Hey, Nancy. Thanks. It's great to chat with you again. Thank you. Uh, For our listeners that were not on the last podcast, tell us about your background. Uh, I am a 30-plus year um, healthcare and senior living executive, uh, was a founding executive many years ago with what became one of the top 10 largest assisted living providers, Um, worked in the field for a number of years. uh, worked most recently with Life Care Services, which was the, the second largest provider in the country. But somewhere along the way, I've also spent, managed to spend 20 years in academia, um, created the first undergraduate curricula for senior living administration at George Mason University here in Northern Virginia. And now I run the uh, graduate curricula in senior living administration at Georgetown University. So I've spent uh, somehow all of the last 30 years floating back and forth between operations and and academia and senior living. As we talked about last time, you've coined a lot of categories and phrases uh, in the industry. And then last time we spoke, you had just finished Shenandoah Memory Care at the Virginian, which is an absolutely state-of-the-art facility for memory care. What else are you involved in these days? Yeah, I mean, as you and I discussed, I've always tried to focus on areas where we can advance the industry. So there is there is some connecting of the dots here, even though it sometimes seems I'm all over the place. But, you know, we, we needed to make advancements in memory care. Really, really proud of what we did at Shenandoah Memory Care at the Virginian. It's received a lot of national attention um, and I think really kind of raised the bar in a lot of ways we talked about last time. I've had a focus for many years on what I call Nana technology, as in technology for your <laughs> Nana. Um, but we need these technologies. And, you know, I, I coined that phrase over 15 years ago now. But, um, you know, everybody now is working on these technologies for aging populations, um, robotics, um, infrastructure, um, you know, Wi-Fi systems. Um, and then new models of housing. Um, I do a lot of work in what I call uh, niche communities. Niche, I, I say niche because I don't speak French. Um, <laughs> um, but, you know, um, university-based retirement communities, a model I developed, but lots of other communities. Um, I actually just started for almost for fun a new Twitter account called at Niche Retirement, where I kind of highlight these communities. Just highlighted one the other day, which is the first green assisted living community in the United States and Seattle from Aegis Living. It's a completely green, solar-powered community, really cool community. So I'm just trying to pay attention to these technologies, new models of housing, better memory care, and then lifelong learning, which is part of what uh, we did in kind of combining my background in academia for the first time and bringing it over to kind of elevate what have traditionally been life enrichment or activities programs in these communities. Well, always, always on the leading edge. So tell us about the Virginian Scholars Program. Well, it's actually, it's been a lot of fun for me because as I said a minute ago, I've somehow managed to spend uh, the last uh, 20, almost 30 years toggling back and forth between 
academia and senior living. And now we combine them. Um, we really saw an opportunity to to elevate what is essentially lifelong learning, but combine them. You know, we've always had in senior living a, a life enrichment program or an activities program, right? And and a lot of universities have had lifelong learning institutes or even online programs like Masterclass. And you can, you know, if you're an older adult, you can go to these activities, you can take these classes, but there's never been a real structure to say, how do we maximize that? And what the Virginian Scholars Program does is, kind of taps into my background in developing academic curricula, which I've been doing for all these years, and said, so why don't we create a curricula for older adults living in senior living communities? Um, so not only can they participate in continuing education or activities, they get essentially, they become registered students. Um, they matriculate into the scholars program as students, and they earn credit hours um, for these activities, which takes it to a whole nother level, because now you've got um, something that you can achieve and pursue. So they can actually, at the end of a of an academic semester, make the dean's list if they complete 100 hours uh, of their um, four three-month semesters. Um, at the end of an academic year, they can actually graduate with honors. They can be uh, cuma sum laude, magna sum laude, um, summa cum laude, if they complete 300, 400, 500 hours total. Over the course of the year, um, they can be the, the valedictorian of that class for that year. Um, and they um, earn scholarships to um, lifelong tuition scholarships to lifelong learning programs at universities. And, and even uh, if you're the valedictorian, you earn a $1,000 grant to apply to your rent or your meals or whatever you want in the community. So we've just taken it to another level where it becomes more vocational. It becomes a purpose, a pursuit. And that's the one thing people give up in their retirement. You know, they give up their vocation. And um, so this is a really cool way to give them a chance to have a vocation again, to go back to being students um, and pursuing these, these levels of achievement. So I know there's been a lot of research. Uh, there's been some studies on the importance of lifelong learning. But tell our listeners, why is it so important to keep keep learning? Well, I mean, it's been tons of studies now that show this. First of all, people have figured this out on their own. Over half of uh, ARP just did a study recently. Over half of adults over 45, if you ask them, will tell you they are pursuing um, lifelong learning, uh, continuing education. So we, we intuitively know that we want to stay sharp and stay focused and not just settle on what we already do. And that could be, you know, a, a hobby or an interest or cooking or gardening or history or whatever you want. Um, but the studies are backing this up now, too, of course. We know that people who engage in lifelong learning um, across all the domains of wellness, I use six of them, there are different versions, but whether it's the physical domain, the intellectual domain, the social domain, emotional um, spiritual, um, and as I said earlier, vocational. And we know that anyone who participates in these as they age, they're healthier, they're physically healthier, they're intellectually healthier. Um, you see um, actually declines in the progression. There's no cure for Alzheimer's, but we know that people who stay physically and intellectually and socially active um, what, what can experience declines in the progression of the diseases of Alzheimer's, other dementias, mild cognitive impairment, you stay sharper longer. Um, um, and again, physically better longer, emotionally better longer, socially lower rates of depression, um, lower medical costs, 
um, if you're thinking only in terms of dollars. Um, but I mean, the studies are all showing what people have intuitively figured out is, is it's use it or lose it and to really kind of pursue these. And again, what we've done with the Virginia Scholars Program is we formalized it. We've actually said, okay, we know this is good for you, um, but how about we put it in a structured program that you can also literally achieve different levels, um, um, different honors, different recognitions, and, and have a goal to pursue, which really makes it you know, very different than just you know, doing an activity when you feel like it not connecting the dots. Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, not a crossword puzzle. It's a whole other, uh, there's so many benefits to this program. So uh, this is the first. How do you see it expanding? Because I know you probably do. Well, I, first of all, I think we I think we picked the right location. Um, so uh -huh. that was important. Northern Virginia, as you may know, um, it oh, actually yeah. has the highest educated demographic, retirement demographic in the United States, uh, the highest educated demographic, period. This is outside of Washington, D.C. Um, there are basically six counties in Northern Virginia that you know make up what we call Northern Virginia. And all six of them are in the top 10 most educated demographic counties in the United States. So this is a, an area where we have a lot of uh, retired PhDs, lawyers, doctors, MDs, LDs, um, 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 uh, uh, military generals. Um, you know, this is a this is a, a, an area that has a very, very highly educated population. I think the average across the six counties is over two thirds of the residents in these six counties have a bachelor's degree or higher. So 67, right. 68 percent nationwide, it's 42 percent. So you can see where this is actually the ideal location to do this, because these are folks who were unlike me made the dean's list when they were <laughs> when, when they were in college uh, they know what the dean's list is and you know they took great pride when they were younger making the dean's list every semester and so for them to have an opportunity at 80 years old or 75 or 80 or 85 years old to make the dean's list again um and 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 to you know set an example for their children, their great-grandchildren, their grandchildren. Um, this is exactly the audience that would have the, the interest in this. Now, obviously, if it works here, we know that there are a lot of older adults and senior living communities all across the United States uh, who would love to do the same thing. Right. So it's just a matter of finding the right areas. I mean, I'm from Northern California. It seems like an ideal location with UC Berkeley yes. and yes. the other facilities there. Um. So that's great. What one of the questions I had, you mentioned vocation a couple of times. And of course, we can't get away from talking about the needs of the middle market. So uh for some people, even if you are educated, you may end up in the position where you have to work longer. Do you see this as an opportunity for people to gain new skills that they might be able to get some income out of? Absolutely. Um, um, first of all, I think it, it's an opportunity to have a vocational pursuit, period, which is being a student again, as we said. But you are also correct. Lots of opportunities. Um, older adults have figured out what a lot of young people have figured out. If you, you know, if you are willing to pursue or find a niche, an area of interest and pursue it, um, there's opportunities for you. There's opportunities to keep working, opportunities to pursue that career you always wanted to pursue. Um, maybe not full time, but you know, part time. Um, things that you you can take on and do. 
Um, and um, and you could, yes, and there's that gig economy, right, where you could make a little money. Well, the gig economy doesn't just apply to people who are 30. It can apply to anybody at any age, especially people who have the decades of experience um, that older adults have. So an absolute opportunity for that. And especially uh, along the lines of getting up to speed on different technologies, I would assume. Yes, and 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 this is an audience that is not afraid of technology. Um, I think you and I maybe talked about this. They don't like sixty-page instruction manuals. Um, they're, <laughs> right, they're right about that. I mean, when they grew up, new technologies were basically plug and play when they were invented. Um, we're the ones that you know gave you a cell phone where the instruction manual was bigger than your phone. Um, but as these technologies become smarter and easier to use and more plug and play. This is a, gen a generation that actually does like technology and values it highly, happily will, will engage in it and, and, and use it to better their lives. Well, I know you spend a lot of time thinking about nanotechnology. So while I've got you on this uh, podcast, I'm going to ask you to share some of the trends that you've seen. Um, the big ones now are um, what I call productivity accelerators. We don't have enough labor, as everyone is reading about, but not just because of the pandemic. We, you know, we lost a lot of service workers in the pandemic, whether it was hotels or you know restaurants or senior living, um, any service industry. We lost a lot of workers, but the reality is, is we were running out of workers anyway. You know, when you have ten thousand baby boomers turning sixty-five and retiring every day, you also have ten thousand people a day leaving the workforce. And and those are then the people who actually need our help in senior living. So, you, you know, it's 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 a difficult situation where we have to find more workers or we have to turn one nurse's aide today and make her or him as productive as three nurses aides in the future by putting technology in, in their hands. And so that's how we're going to address workforce issues. Now, that could be you know, software systems that automate uh, data and, and data analytics and predictive analytics, but it can also be robotics. We also need these technologies in people's homes. You know, we're not, everybody's not going to move in to a senior living community. In fact, the vast majority won't. And, but we don't have workers to send to their house either, uh, let alone if those workers are spending half their eight hour shift looking at their windshield driving between houses. It's very inefficient. So we need more technologies in people's homes as well. We can talk more about that. But at the end of the day, you know, we, we really need to automate uh, a lot more. You know, 80% of the car all of us drive every day is already built by robots. So the auto industry figured this out years ago. Um, we need to automate. And even though it is a service and a people business, we need to take the people that we have and make them more productive. Yeah, and it also seems like um, there's these these tracking type of technologies, uh, wh whether it's a watch or, or you know wearables or whether it's uh, home remote monitoring systems, those kind of things. And there seem to be a lot of issues around people not wanting to be monitored twenty four seven and privacy security issues. Can you speak on that a little bit? Yeah, I think people, they want, you know, they want private, they're okay with private monitoring. Uh, and some of them still have some concerns. Um, they don't like uh, video monitoring for obvious reasons. Um, um, but there are ways that, as you mentioned, wearables that can, you know, can monitor you 
um, monitor your your uh, heart rate or your respiration or your oxygen oxygen perspiration temperature um, movement activity um, as as you may recall I helped co-develop years ago what is still the world's only GPS shoe um, that has yeah. GPS tracker in the insole for people with Alzheimer's who may wander and we hide a GPS tracker in their shoe um, and, you know, but but the data is out there. I think the biggest concern people have with the data is what everybody has with data is it's all up there in the cloud and and you worry sometimes about it being hacked. Uh, but the data itself is valuable. The data itself can be done unobtrusively and can be extraordinarily helpful in, in detecting things early, um, fall risk much earlier, um, 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 infections much earlier, um weight loss much earlier so i mean this is very very and then predictive that the analytics can be predictive so this is really valuable data that i think people will be much more comfortable with their biggest concern is is not the data but it's the security of the data yeah exactly and if you can track things earlier it just seems like it would be um you know just a lot better overall um but regarding yeah. the senior, the, regarding the senior living communities, it seems like, uh, you know, Argentum doesn't even have a category for an, um, engagement. I I saw that some people were uh, not so happy about that the dining and hospitality category is as close you would get to conversations and purpose and lifelong learning and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it seems like the the communities are really going to partner with programs like the Virginian Scholars Program and other things that will bring that uh, those pieces of enrichment to that, whether it's technologies, human capital, whatever. What, what's your thought on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree. And, and again, we can elevate all of these things. The Virginia Scholars Program, again, I think what makes it unique is is it really allows you to become a student again in a very you know structured way. But the way you can access the, your continuing ed, for example, one of the components is the masterclass online program. Um, masterclasses, you know, not just targeted to older adults, but I mean, they have all of these very famous people, right? Everybody from, you know, Richard Branson to Melinda Gates to Neil deGrasse Tyson to Gordon Ramsay. You know, these are the lecturers on the masterclass program and they're great lectures. And, um, you know, for people, at any age, let alone in senior living communities, to be able to access that, to learn a new hobby, to learn a new craft, to learn a new trade, to just learn more about history or politics or whatever you want. Um, I think we have the ability to do more outside the walls of senior living than we've been struggling to do inside the walls. And by the way, the the activities that we've been doing inside the walls are are great, but there's more out there and and ways to exponentially improve upon that. That's what we're trying to do with the Virginian Scholars Program. And for example, as we mentioned, partnering with George Mason University has one of the largest Osher lifelong learning programs in the United States. The Osher Foundation has supported, um, I think, a couple hundred universities with this now, but the George Mason one, because of the demographics in Northern Virginia, became almost overnight one of the largest and most successful ones in the United States. And I mean, George Mason University is only about three miles from the Virginian. You know, so why wouldn't we partner with them? We've got a 22 passenger bus, for goodness sakes, um, and we can load up our bus in the morning, just like a school bus, um, and we can take our residents to class over at George Mason. 
So there are ways that we can all work together to make this much, much better. So uh, can senior living communities in other parts of the country get on board with this program via the online courses? Absolutely. If you look at what we did, I mean, if you're a senior living community in, in any metropolitan area that has a university with a lifelong learning institute, you can do this. Even if you're not, Masterclass is online for anybody in the world. You can you can sign up. You can buy group memberships in Masterclass. I know because I talked to talked to them directly and and asked about how we would buy a bulk um, uh, membership. And they have bulk memberships you can buy for your community. So you know you don't have to just rely on on a university. But there are external resources that can really really elevate your life enrichment programming. Take it to that level. There's nothing stopping anybody from structuring it the way that we did which was to essentially turn these residents into students and allow them to pursue the dean's list and and have a goal and a certain number of hours that they can achieve um, and get that recognition and graduate magnum cum laude. Um, There's nothing stopping any senior living community from looking outside their walls and taking on this kind of project. Yeah, so they can either tap into the resources of this current program or they can hire Carl Consulting to do a custom program, right? <laughs> well, I mean, I've, I've been writing academic curricula for 20 years, so sure, give me a call. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome, Andy. So what gets you most excited these days? I think what we've been talking about, I think, one, uh, the technologies, I, I'm not sure it's excited as much as necessary. Um, um, and again, to address the labor shortage, but also to improve quality of life for folks, because these predictive analytics, the data you gather, these predictive analytics are really remarkable. I mean, they can really nail down and catch issues months, sometimes years ahead of time. It's just really incredible. And then the robotics are coming a long way. We just, by the way, I just um, worked with the Virginian to um, acquire for them a, a robotic vacuum cleaner, a commercial vacuum cleaner called the Wiz, um, it looks like a little R2-D2, um, but I mean, a typical senior living community has miles of hallways. Think about all the hallways. Think about you go to a hotel um, and then think about, you know, the Virginia. It's a seven-story building with four wings on each, on each uh, seven stories on each wing. So all of these miles of hallway, and we have robots that can vacuum those hallways. We don't need to have to find a person whose only job it is is to walk behind a vacuum cleaner. Um, um, and we don't have those people and the people we have needs to do something more productive than just pushing a vacuum cleaner up and down the hall. So we just, um, actually purchased a robotic vacuum cleaner, um, for the community and, 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 and going to roll that out and pilot it. And, and the plans are to probably buy two or three more. We've got robotic food servers in the dining rooms now that we're seeing, uh, we're seeing them in restaurants, by the way. Um, but they, you know, you're paying someone in the dining room whose only job is to go all the way back to the kitchen, pick up four plates and bring them out to the table. Well, a robot can do that. Um, you need your servers to actually, you know, be serving the food. Um, so think about all the steps that you can save, that you can reduce. So these are the kinds of things that excite me because we need these kinds of robotics, anything that can, you know, take away unnecessary steps and allow the, the workers we have to focus on what they do, that what humans do, and be productive um, without having to walk in between stations. Same with nurses' aides, by the way. We can gather a lot of data on residents, including falls, 
um, infections, all kinds of things without them even having to go to the resident's apartment. The data will tell us um, if Evelyn might have a UTI. The data will tell us if Joe has has fallen in his apartment. Um, so, so, you know, this kind of technology is really needed. Um, and then the other areas just are these, these niche communities, these what I call affinity communities. We need to build places well, that, you know, basically deliver all the flavors that the baby boomers are used to having choices of. Um, I just saw that, um, you know, Margaritaville, Jimmy Buffett, uh, developed these active adult communities that are themed after Margaritaville. And they were so popular that about two months ago, now Disney has announced a new residential community called Storylines or Story Living by Disney, yeah. uh, which will have a 55 uh, plus active adult component, um, university-based retirement communities, communities for the LGBTQ population. These are the ones that actually, these niche communities are the ones that are, are, are the most interesting to me because I think they're going to be really, really great. Well, it's an exciting time to be in aging services, isn't it? It is. I mean, you've got, you know, <laughs> you've got 78 million baby boomers. Um, by 2030, we're going to have more people on this planet over the age of 60 than under the age of 15 for the first time in our 300,000 year history as a species on this planet. So that's kind of big news. Um, yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, we need to think about not only that there are more older people, but they are in fact living longer. They are living longer and living to a hundred now is not unusual at all either. So, you know, what are you going to do those last 30 or 40 years, um, what are you going to do to meet their needs, to make their lives interesting, make their, to keep them healthy, to keep them happy, to keep them productive? Um, all of these things have to come together. Well, thank you for all that you're doing for the industry. I mean, you're hitting your stride the next 20 years. What you're going to do is going to be very exciting. Well, it, it is it is interesting. I will say there are no boring moments. Well, I really appreciate you joining us today, and I can't wait to have you back on the show soon. Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for your interest. And um, again, we really hope the Virginia Scholars Program is is going to take off and really take um, these life enrichment programs to a whole new level, not just at the Virginian, but everywhere. Is there a website that people can go to to learn more about the program? Um, I don't know if the Virginian, we just rolled it out. We literally just mm -hmm. started two weeks ago when the, <laughs> the semester started um, over at George Mason. Their Ali Asha program only started classes. I know that they've been attending a couple of the classes. So I'm not sure what's on the website right now. Uh, the plan for this semester, what we call the fall semester, uh, September, October, November, is to really kind of get the enrollment, get people registered. Um, and get it moving forward in the winter and spring semesters and go from there. So anyone interested in the program can contact you through your website, Carl Consulting? Yeah, absolutely. CarlConsulting.com. Or actually just a Carl if they want. A-C-A-R-L-E at CarlConsulting.com is my direct email. There you go. Hope you get flooded with calls. <laughs> All right. I, well, I do too. I hope a lot of people do this. I think it's going to be really wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Andy. Look forward to talking again soon. Nancy, it's great to chat with you. Thanks so much again for reaching out. Thank you. All right. Take care. You've been listening to the Glowing Older Podcast.